chapter is a description of the ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the herald, the forerunner, the one who is sent before Messiah, and he knows that's his role. He knows that's his role. And there are many people hearing his message. What is his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, knowledgeable Jews knows that's good. That's frightening. It is a turn-your-hair-white event because they know what the Hebrew prophets say about the kingdom. Repent. By the way, that's the definition of the king of the Christian life every single day, throughout the day. Repent, 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 repent. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus begins his public ministry, what's his initial message? Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist has been sent as the forerunner, but the forerunner for who? The forerunner for the creator Creator God, who is coming in the flesh to pursue us. Think about yourself in this world. Think about, I'm assuming, each, each of you, and I have every reason to believe this is true, you're authentic Christians. You've come to faith in Christ. You believe you're in his kingdom. How much attention does God pay to you? One of the hard things about being a follower of the true and living God is we don't know anybody else that's like him. <laughs> this is the God who is unhindered in the reality of who he is. There are how many billions of people on this planet? Over three billion? How much attention is God able to pay to each of us? And would you find that down even to those who are already in his kingdom? How much... Let me tell you what, folks. God's attention on you is as if you were all by yourself on this planet. That's how much, how well he knows you. He is absolutely unrestrained in his focus. All the reality of who he is is present with each of us all the time. He is never tired. He's never worn out. He never has to go take a nap. He never. He is always present in the fullness of who he is in his walk with us. And we have a very hard time getting our minds and hearts wrapped around that because we don't know anybody else like that. But that's the reality. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, John, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and God spoke, and nothing was left of it. 
that God spoke, and God spoke, and God, read through Genesis chapter 1, and God said, God said, God spoke, God said, God spoke, God said, God said. In the beginning was the Word, the Speaker. And the Speaker was with God. God was the Speaker. That's the actual word order. He is fully God doing that work. And that's why in Genesis 1 it says, and God said, and God said, and God said, because the speaker, God the Son, this is God the Son, the second person of the triune God, doing that work described in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, the speaker, and the speaker was in a face-to-face relationship with God, and God was the speaker. This is the triunity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are in a face-to-face relationship. They are one God who is three persons. And the second person of that triunity became flesh. And he came to the world. And the world, the general response of the world was they didn't know him. He came to his own. He came to Israel. And what was the national response? What was the response of their leadership? What was the response of the majority of the Jewish population there? He came to his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. Oh, it wasn't 100%. No, 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 no. There was, in fact, a significant percentage, but not a majority, a significant percentage that did Respond to him, came to his own, and his own received him not. But there was, there were exceptions. And here is this herald that has gone out, John the Baptist, and he has heralded the coming of Messiah. And he has many disciples. He has many disciples. He's out, principally on the east side of the Jordan, out in the wilderness area. He is baptizing people. By the way, he is able to do, he is a Levitical priest. Baptism, read through the book of Leviticus, you find cleansing rituals. If you touch a dead body, you're you're ritually unclean. You have to go get baptized. That's the word we would use, but it was a cleansing ritual done by a Levitical priest, and then you're free to worship God without hindrance again. So baptism was a very common thing for people to go, <coughs> sometimes on a monthly basis. It was very, very common. Why is John the Baptist, a Levitical priest, using? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God is about to show up, and you really want to do your best to be able to meet him in a friendly way. And so he's preaching this message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Many of his hearers are repenting, and then he is baptizing them, and that is the visual symbol to the other people there that they have found a welcome in this coming kingdom by that truly holy God. And then Jesus comes, and John the Baptist, aha, here is the one for whom I am the herald. Behold, he says to his own disciples, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Join me in John chapter 1. We're stepping into the middle of the narrative. I'm going to read the final paragraph of what we looked at last week, verses 29 to 34. Um, the, the first day that's talked about here is when John is confronted by the Jewish leadership. Well, who are you? Well, I am the one spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make the way straight the way of the Lord. That's the work of a herald. As the prophet Isaiah said, I'm in verse 24, excuse me. Now those who were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet who is spoken of in the book of Deuteronomy, which is actually Jesus? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. It basically, it's kind of like, what? Are you guys serious? I baptize with water. You guys know the Hebrew Scriptures. You guys know what it's going to look like when Messiah shows up, when God actually establishes his kingdom. And you're getting kind of bent out of shape because I'm baptizing people with water. Uh, this is truly minor league compared to what's coming, guys. I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me. He is a much higher standing in the kingdom than I have. Whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. End quote. He's done speaking to these guys. These things were done in Bethabara, and actually it should say Bethany, and if anybody has something other than King James, read King James, it does say Bethany. By the way, I don't, well, I don't expect you guys to know Bible names, but it's Bethany. These things were done in Bethany. By the way, let's stop for a second. I've got to get this down. There's probably two Bethanies. This is the Bethany where Lazarus was, which is right by Jerusalem. This is probably a Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, just a small village in all likelihood. These things were done in Bethany beyond the Jordan, which is what I just said, where John was baptizing. The next day. John saw, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, let's say you're one of John's disciples. You know the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know that if you aren't right with God, that's scary. That's frightening. Because God is going to deal with his enemies when he comes establishes his kingdom. You better not fool around. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. <sighs> wow. My principal fear in facing the true and living God is what do I do about my sin? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away just takes away the sin of the Jewish nation, takes away the sin of the world. And of all four Gospels, the Gospel that is the Gospel to the world is John's Gospel. He takes away the sin of the world. 
this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. He is, after all, God the Son, the true and living God. I did not know him. I didn't know him. But that he should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. By the way, personal conjecture, Jesus is the Messiah. What does Messiah mean? Or Christ means anointed one. Well, typical anointing is done with olive oil. Okay? And the kings of Israel, they weren't crowned kings, they were anointed kings. So here is the one who is the one who is the descendant of David who's going to be reigned forever. He is the anointed one. Well, there's no record of Jesus being anointed with oil. But what did John the Baptist, the Levitical priest, see? He saw the Holy Spirit, and that olive oil was a picture of God the Holy Spirit. It was an emblem of God the Holy Spirit when those kings were anointed. Well, John didn't see an anointing come down. He saw the Holy Spirit come down instead of in the form of an oil, in the form of a dove and light upon him. I'm going to, this is conjecture. John the Baptist was the prophet who anointed, who was present at the anointing, so to speak, of God the Son, of Jesus of Nazareth. He saw the Holy Spirit descend and light on him as a dove, and the voice came from heaven, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There is not one thing like John the Baptist. He is the one who shone. That is John's testimony. Wow. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he was he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Not baptize us with water. No, 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 no. We're ramping this up. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And last week we cross-referenced and I read that entire passage in Ezekiel 37 which is one of the Hebrew prophets' description of this kingdom-initiating event. And what's the picture there in Ezekiel 37? I saw bones, dry bones, scattered all over the landscape. And God said, look at these dry bones. What are you going to do with these dry bones? Well, Lord, I can't do a thing with those dry bones. Well, you watch what I do. And he brings the bones together. it is is a bunch of dry bones brought together into the form of skeletons and speak and then he brings flesh upon those dry bones but now now you got a, you got carcasses scattered all over the landscape Ezekiel son of man Ezekiel speak to the ruach the Hebrew word for spirit wind breath speak to the ruach to come and kill these carcasses. And he speaks to the Ruach, to the spirit, and they and they stand up and they rise up. 
talk about a nation of people that are dead, dead, dead. Their dry bones are scattered across the landscape, and he makes a living nation out of these people. And that's called baptism of the Holy Spirit, being granted life. And when we get to John chapter 3, where Jesus speaking Nicodemus, he's going to say to Nicodemus, you need to be born. kingdom because God spoke over your carcass words of life and life and he gave you life and energy to be embraced and be embraced back by his mercy his kindness this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit the one who when he speaks and testify that this is the Son of God. I mentioned to this meeting last week that my daughter's house is being remodeled. Verse 1. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? We're getting an idea here. Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? Now, any knowledgeable of Solomon's day would say Yahweh, Yahweh, the name of our Lord. What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? This is almost a thousand years before Jesus' birth. What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? seen and testify that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, teacher. Rabbi is Aramaic or, Jew, or Hebrew. Teacher is the Greek word. It's now translated into English. Where are you staying? What are we seeking? We're seeking wherever you're hanging out, that's where we want to hang out. He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now, it was about the 10th hour, meaning the 10th hour of daylight. It's about 4 in the afternoon. 
Joseph's sunrise. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, as John is writing this, everybody who's, most everybody who's reading this gospel decades later knows who Simon Peter is. One of those who followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He, Andrew, first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Mashiach, Hebrew, Christos, Greek. And he, Andrew, brought him, Simon, to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, an Aramaic word meaning a stone, which is translated a stone, Greek word petras. And so Cephas, Aramaic, Petras, Greek, a stone. Stop for a minute. Now, I would dare say Andrew, John, by the way, we know the other disciple is John. It's very interesting about the Gospel of John. John never names himself. When he is unmistakably referring to himself, he says this, the disciple whom Jesus He never uses his own name. When he incontrovertibly hymned, it's the disciple whom Jesus loved. What did John know about this guy, this one? This Messiah, this Son of God, Christ. Folks, is that as significant as the not just his going to the cross as obviously important as that is, or he paid for his medical treatment for me, but as an individual he loves me. John and Andrew follow Jesus. Andrew finds his brother, and Simon comes to Jesus. Simon is, so far as we know, Simon and Jesus have never had an, an encounter. And Jesus instantly says to him, now he's probably a disciple of John the Baptist, But he said, I'm going to make you a leader. I'm going to make you a strong foundation, a strong foundation. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. Jesus himself found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So they all know each other. They grew up together. They're all disciples of John the Baptist. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. He's just been called himself by Jesus. He goes out and finds Nathanael. And said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. We have found the Messiah. Yow! 
Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, really, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael's coming to Jesus, and Jesus says, Oh wow, this is the ideal of what it means to be an Israelite. A son of Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, who is actually vitally, properly connected to their God. Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. He is a man of integrity. He's never met this guy, but he knows him. I have never been in the physical presence of Jesus, that is, in his bodily form, that I know of. But he knows me. He knows you. Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? What? I've never met you before. But you know me? You know my inner person? How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. What? Philip was on his way to find you, and you were under the fig tree. And apparently, based on the context in Jesus' Apparently something spiritually significant was going on under that fig tree. It was Nathaniel of God. And then Philip came up to Nathaniel and said, Hey, join me. I found my son. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And what is Nathaniel's response? Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. We go from when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, to his open declaration. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Nathanael knows that was a God event. You do know me. You do know me. Wow. Yes. Let me tell you something, folks, and I'm speaking to myself just as forcefully as I am speaking to you. He knows us just as deeply, just as completely, just as perfectly. He knows us. And what is Nathaniel able to say? You are the son of God. Folks, it doesn't get any more powerful than that. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, 
Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Not that he's disdaining that. He had, in fact, brought it up as the proof to Nathaniel that he does know him. But, oh, Nathaniel, you're going to have a lot more evidence than that. You're going to have a lot more evidence than that. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And as you accompany me, what would he see? He would see divine statements made to people. He would also see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And he said to him, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Am I the Son of God, the King of Israel? Yes, but you're going to have far more powerful evidence than what you just heard by faith alone. And what evidence is it going to be? You're going to see the angels of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man, which is a most common term for Messiah. declaring that Jesus is the Messiah of God. Not the Messiah, not the Christ, but the Messiah of God. And if you are here and Jesus Christ is an authentic follower of Jesus, and you're an authentic follower of Jesus because he saw you, he connected, he loved you so much, he pursued you, and all the reasons you had in your mind and heart of holy God could never welcome me and set aside. He paid sin penalty for every one of us so that you would have perfect freedom. You are more sus and worry less, worry less, worry less of the forgiveness and the punishment that you have received. That's the testimony of every single person who is here today. Personal experience varies, but that's the basic pattern we all have. And he has called us, like Andrew, like Philip, Andrew who went and got his brother Simon, like Philip who went after Nathaniel. What's that called? It's called witnessing. Called evangelism. It's called it's saying to other people, "Hey, I have found the forgiver. I've forgot. I've found the Lamb of God. I've found the one who has resolved our essential problem before the Holy God. Would you like to be embraced by His, Him and His solution also?" And that's the pattern we find in the opening statement of this gospel. And we're going to see it as we go through John's gospel. All the way up through chapter 12, we're going to see it replayed over and over and over again as Jesus is calling. Is he going to be rejected? He came to his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him. As many as received him. To them he gave the right to be called children of God. Even to those who 
simply do one thing believe in his name transfer their trust from their own works their own reputation to the work of Jesus and that you transfer your trust from yourself to him so grateful for the display set before us in this opening chapter of, of this gospel because it shows us not only the reality of who you are but the reality of your pursuit your love for us for people and how deeply and perfectly you know us you are not put off by us Instead, you say, I welcome you, and I will empower you to be what you never could have been left to yourself. And you, will, you yourself will be shocked at the use I give you. We ask that you would enable everyone here to walk in this reality, this truth that you have put before us. us in this way.